parents would leave me at my grandmother's, and uh, she was a little Nazarene lady, and she would send me to uh, vacation Bible school. Uh, me and my, uh, she'd send my sisters and I and uh, my cousins, who we all lived fairly close, and we'd get uh, dumped off at my grandfather and grandmother's. They had a dairy farm, and she would send us off to vacation Bible school, and we had to walk to it. It was a little bit of a distance, you know, but there was this one kid that would come out and challenge us to a fight every day that we walked by. And that's what I remember about vacation Bible school. He beat me up three times, I think. (laughs) Uh, I do have a Bible from that, from 1962, a little Bible that says, I gave my heart to the Lord, and I still have that to this day. Yeah. Well, this morning I want to minister about a little unknown person in the Bible. His name is Malchus. Is It's actually pronounced Malchus, but I'm... Um, um, what's that word? I'm hooked on phonics. So I'm going to say it the way I understand it, Malchus. And what you have here is a picture of a, a device in which they are listening for sounds and communication from space. It's not to transmit. It's simply to receive and there's actually some all over the world. The biggest ones are in Chile. And uh, man in his endeavor ha- desires to hear if space, if there's aliens out there, uh, if there's other uh, planets that are inhabited, that they might be trying to communicate with us. And I have my doubts that should there be others out there that they desire to communicate with us. But recently, NASA's Kepler mission has announced it has found 54 planets orbiting stars that are so-called in a habitable zone. In in other words, they could have uh, liquid water on them, which is a climate suitable for the possibility of of life. And so when NASA found this, they alerted SETI Institute, the Search for Extraterrestrial uh, Intelligence, in case one of these planets were trying to communicate. Uh, You know, it says wisdom's crying out in the streets if you listen for it. And so, because uh, the Lord has been speaking to me about uh, listening to Him, uh, I listen to Him in the streets. It's everywhere. Wisdom cries out in the streets. You can hear it anywhere. You can hear it on the radio. You can hear it in television. Not that you'd hear much of it, but you can hear wisdom when it's spoken, if that's what you're tuning into. And this comment was made just an isolated comment, and the comment was like this. 
um, if there's life, um, if, if they find another planet that's habitable, do you think they would find alien life on it? That was the person's comment. And my immediate thought was, well, no, because to that planet, they wouldn't be alien. I thought that was kind of a foolish statement to think about ourselves in such a way that anything other than us that could exist would be alien. However, they wouldn't be aliens. In 1 Timothy chapter, well, let's, let's look first at, at Matthew chapter 11. You can't really see that, but 1115. Jesus is speaking, and he says this in a brief statement. Let anyone with ears listen. Uh, other translation, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Later on, he says, take heed what you hear. Be careful about what, what you do listen to. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, it says, ever learning and never coming, able to come to the truth. And in the book of Daniel, it talks about in the latter days, men will be running to and fro and knowledge will increase. But it's not enough just to have knowledge increase. Because just an increase in knowledge does not bring us to the truth, ever learning, but come, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And Jesus said, now if you have an ear, reach up, grab your ear. Try the other side. What if you only had one ear? Well, We'll get to that in a second. The wisdom of God, the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. Again, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 9, who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he's talking about he goes on to talk after saying that, or in that portion, when he says, if you have ears to hear, be sure and listen, be sure and listen. I love music from the 60s. It's amazing how quickly I can pop into a song that I'd heard from the 60s, and how when I'm actually listening to it today... I find out I had the words wrong all along, and I've been singing it that way for the last however many years. I just made it up because I couldn't really hear what they were saying, so I just assumed this is what they were saying, and, and I learned it that way, and now I find out I'm wrong. It's real important we listen and how we listen. 
But in this Matthew 13 where Jesus is speaking, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He goes on to talk about something very interesting. He goes on to talk about seed. And when the seed is sown, what can happen to it? And I'd recently been uh, conversing with the Lord about my own life and uh, what I'm doing with the seed that's sown in the seasons of my life that He wants to sow seed into my life. You see, just because at one point in time you got saved, you received Christ, and your ground was open, your ground was prepared, and that, that seed of faith went in there, and you got saved, and uh, salvation sprung up in your life, and you entered into His kingdom, doesn't mean that the next year when you want to have a harvest that you no longer have to keep the soil prepared for the season of seed. You see, when the season of sowing seed and the Spirit of God is sowing seed into your life, you need to be very careful. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the bride of Christ, and there's a lot of contention over who's in the bride and who's not in the bride, and how can a person who's in the bride act like this? And I pointed out that we have a term for that. It's called bridezillas. They could very well still be in the bride of Christ, but right now, this season in their life, they're just a bridezilla. You, you've all heard that term, right? Um. But if you want to have a harvest in your life, you have to prepare your soil each season. It's not a one-time deal where you harvest from that the rest of your life. You have to continually prepare that soil for when the Holy Spirit wants to seed His uh, Word of God into you, and then you reap a harvest in due season for that particular seed. And I have found that in my own life, many times I have not prepared my soil and the Holy Spirit sows seed, and it's just taken away by the ravens, by the fowl of the air. Um, I pondered that not only about my own life, but about Christians I've known that walked with the Lord a long time, and then all of a sudden it seems like there's not any longer any fresh fruit in our lives. Why is there no fresh fruit? Because there's no longer a preparing of the soil. There's trying to live off of last year's and the year previous years and the previous years planting. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 tells us draw near to hear. Lately, my wife has left these things on our table. She doesn't think I notice, but it's have your ears checked free hearing tests. <laughs> she leaves them on the table for me. You know, they come in the paper. I don't read the paper. I used to at least read the comics. I gave them that up too. Uh, and anyway, but I'll come in and here's these flyers that were in the, in the newspaper, you know, free hearing tests. And uh, she doesn't think that I can hear as well as I used to. Could be true. It could be I just don't listen as well as I used to. It could be both. 
Anyway, it says, draw near to hear. There's something real vital in that. It's like you can hear a preacher preach a word. You can hear a, a, an evangelist on television preach a powerful word. Well, you can go to this conference we just went to and hear some fantastic seed being sown. It's all good, but you need to draw near to God yourself to hear that. I like this man back here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> so we're going to take a look at a guy named Malchus. Anybody familiar with Malchus? Malchus. Yeah. He was a servant to the priest in the temple. You find his name mentioned in the book of John. And uh, he was the one that came with the priests and the, the Pharisees to take Jesus away on the night that he was betrayed. And Simon reached out with his sword and cut his ear off. What's amazing to me is that, I mean, think about this from his standpoint. Malchus, he's, he's a servant to the priest. Number one, he's working in the temple. So he probably came from an affluent family. You didn't get there if you didn't have influence. You didn't get there if you didn't have a family that was connected to put you in that position to be a servant to the priest or carry the priest's water. And I would believe that there was a lot of interaction. There wasn't just that one time. You see, they were sending out spies all the time, the priests would. They'd say, go listen to that John guy. What, he's, he's a troublemaker. He's stirring things up. He's stirring things up. Go, go check it out and bring back a report. And I'm sure he was a part of that. It's, there's a, a good case to be made that possibly Malchus was also distantly related to John. So there was some interaction there. John was the son of thunder, the son of Zebedee, the son of a fisherman. He was not a family of influence. He did not have the connections that his, I believe, a distant cousin, Malchus, had. But there would be those interactions during this time. So anyway, here's the night that Jesus is betrayed. This guy has been watching John. He's been watching the movements of Jesus. He's been reporting them to the priest, and now he's there. He's in. He's with the action, and he's with his master that he's serving. And like that, he gets his ear cut off. Now, I don't know about you. The other day, we were out uh, on the Copper River dip netting, 
and my son hit the, the gas. We're going upriver, so you got the river flow and you got the speed of the boat, and the, the nets are crossways like this, and the, the fella, uh, Vadim, holding the, the net, he decided that what we needed to do was continue to lengthen the pole till it could reach across the river. It was pretty long. Anyway, it dipped down, caught it, and that thing swung around. I wasn't watching, but man, it got me on the ear. And that hurt. After the star went away, I only had one star, but uh, that hurt. I cannot imagine if somebody reached out with a knife and just sliced my ear off. Now, I don't think he got just a little chunk. I think he took that thing off. It says it took his ear off. That hurt. His life was suddenly in focus. I mean, everything was already heightened. All of his senses were heightened. Can't you imagine that night the, the, what was happening in the atmosphere that God was fulfilling a, a plan and all that Christ had come for, that Jesus had come to earth for, was coming to its uh, pinnacle. And it's already heightened. And now he's like, I'm a part of this, and I'm gonna, we're going to take this guy down. And, you know, this time I've spent spying and reporting and stuff, and I'll probably get a promotion. Boom. Ear whacked off. His life changed. I think probably what happened even more to change his life was suddenly this man reached down, picked up the ear, and put it back on, and he was fully healed, completely whole. What, what did that do to affect his life from there on out? It doesn't really tell us but I don't think he ever forgot it. It forever stayed with him. This night that he lost his ear and this person, Jesus, put it back on. This person who had preached so much about if you have an ear, come and hear. If you have an ear, draw near to hear. You got to get real close. Let me put this ear back on you. In Proverbs 8, 34, it says, happy are those who listen to me. Need a little happiness in your life? No, you need a little bit more joy. You know, my wife talked a little bit about uh, us as a church last Sunday and some of the things we've gone through. Um, I don't know if she talked too much about the things we've gone through. But she talked about having gotten this property and how that came to pass. And uh, we'd been seeking the Lord about what to do we started in our home, and we outgrew that so quickly, and we started renting this place in Wasilla called the Dance Den. I loved it. 
For once in my ministry, I could say this. My congregation doubled from last Sunday to this Sunday because the whole wall was mirrors. But uh, we were seeking the Lord, and, and we felt God spoke to us about the, the man who owned this property. And I got a hold of him. He lived in Naples, Florida at the time. And we'd had some dealings with him in the past. And uh, so we just called him up. He says, I'm going to be in Alaska in a, a couple of weeks. We'll meet up. And we came over here, or he told us about this property, and uh, we immediately felt in our spirits, yes, this is right. Because there was also another piece of property that we were looking at that was at mile (laughs) 6.66. Seriously. (laughs) The the real estate lady says, I don't know if a church wants this. It's at mile (laughs) 6.66. And... uh, anyway uh, he told us about this piece of property my wife and I felt excited about it we came over here and looked and we're walking the perimeters of it and here he is walking the perimeters now he had already applied and put in a platting for a five acre subdivision and uh, the neighbor over here at the time had this, uh, it used to be Casa de San Jose. Anybody familiar with Casa de San Jose? It's a milk winery. In fact, Father Ingle, every Christmas, would bring us a gallon of his milk wine as a gift. And I'd love to have a, a jar of that now, just for the label. The label had, you know, Whey, whey byproducts, this, this, and that. The very last thing on this label, I'm, I'm not making this up, very last thing on this label said, ingredient hitherto unknown to man. I know what it was. It was called LSD. <laughs> but anyway, he'd bring us a gallon of this wine, and, and we'd, oh, thank you, thank you, God bless you, down the drain. I had tasted it a couple of times. It was awful. <laughs> anyway, uh, so this guy owns this now, and he has a pawn shop in it and some other stuff, and the, the, the thing out front wasn't there, the business park. And he had a dream. He had a vision for buying this property at the same time, and he wanted to put a, a strip club here. And uh, so we come walking up, and, and uh, the man that owned the property, Jim, comes walking up, and two things happen. One is this, this little guy comes out. He's real stocky and, I don't know, he's just arrogant. Who are you? He added a few other words to that because Jim was walking the property, and I was behind him, and Jim looks up, and he's not one to be addressed that way. And he says, I'm the owner of this property. Oh, and all of a sudden his demeanor changes. I've been wanting to talk to you. I want to buy that property, and I, you know, this and this and that. So anyway, um, make a 
story a little shorter here. Um, the Lord spoke to us. We heard Him speak to us that He wanted us to have this property. And so, they came to our home. We, we invited him, why don't you come over to the house for coffee, he and his wife. And we sat and chatted. And uh, <clears throat> he's like, well, I don't know. I, I got this subdivided already. I'm planning on selling it one acre at a time type of thing. And, and I said, yeah, but if you decided to sell it um, full five acres, uh, how much would you want for it? He says, well, that doesn't matter. I've already decided to subdivide it. I know it doesn't matter, but I'm just curious, if you decided to sell it whole, how much would you want for it? And we're doing this back and forth thing, and my wife, being the prophet, says, God told us that we're going to get a piece of property, and it's going to be through you. And the man goes, how's 60,000 sound? We said, it sounds pretty good. The neighbor offered him 70. And then he told that neighbor, I'm selling it to these guys for 60, 10,000 less than you offered. Well, anyway, that guy continued to be a real thorn in our flesh for a while. Uh, he would come over here, he would stop our excavator from excavating and say, this is my property, I'm supposed to have this property. And so I finally gave up on it, Dick Richard was here, and uh, the guy literally, Richard Stoffel, I mean who I wouldn't mess with, especially in his glory days. And uh, John Schwetz were down here, and the guy literally pushed him off his, our property. Like, you know, and they're just like... So I call the troopers. Our excavator's held up. He can't do anything. And the trooper was awesome. He says this. We explained the situation to him. I said, every time we try to get started, this guy comes over and does this, and the guy's standing there. because it's, it's supposed to be my property. The trooper looks at this guy, and he looks at the excavator. He says, that thing digs holes, doesn't it? And he goes, yeah. He says, next time this guy stops you, just dig a hole and push him in it. <laughs> guy goes, mmm, starts moving. That guy ran to the edge of the property. What I want to say is there was resistance from the beginning. Any work of God, there's a resistance from the beginning. Anything that God is in, you can expect the enemy to resist. Um, so we build the building. It's double the size of what we have now. We had one meeting in it, and it burnt to the ground. Uh, in an October, uh, Halloween night, burnt to the ground. For years, I said to the Lord, what happened? What happened? What happened? Well, just a few years ago, a guy came to the front door. I had it locked. I was in my office talking to a guy that was here in his motor home for a couple of weeks, and we were talking about forgiveness, and this door rattles, and I go out, and I'm looking, this guy, old guy. See, I forget that I age. <laughs> old guy. And I didn't recognize him right off because he was young when I knew him. Anyway, he came in. He says, I came in because I wanted to tell you something. I said, oh, okay. He says, I'm the one that burnt your building down. He says, I got mad at God. I went to Palmer. I got drunk. I came back. I broke into your building, and I put a lighter fluid on a, on a broom and dropped it in your electrical panel and ran. 
Well, see, we had sheetrock up on the upstairs, but this main downstairs yet was not sheetrocked. So it went up pretty fast. The winds were blowing about 60 miles an hour, gusts, 50 miles. You know how it is in the valley. And it was gone in just no time. Discouragement. But God said, and the word was we're supposed to build here, build here. Well, we had a rough time with the insurance company. This guy says, well, I, I, I didn't feel bad about burning the building down because I heard you got a million dollars in insurance. I said, no, we got 185000 And we had to always haggle about, well, did you include a roof in this? Well, no, we missed the roof. Well, could you add that? Did you get a floor? Well, no, you know. So anyway, needless to say, that's, that's what happened. So uh, we rebuilt, and... Uh, Things were different then, so we rebuilt what we could and paid all the people that had volunteered before because in 86, there was no work in Alaska. So that's what we did. And we've had a lot of different real high times and real difficult times here. And recently we went through a difficult time, and we had people come to us and say, yeah, maybe you should just sell the building. You know, Nancy and I went down and helped that church in Colorado for a few years. It had gone from 600 people to 12. And they called us up, would you come and and, and help? And I, I believe a work of God deserves either a chance to recover or a decent burial. And so we went down there to hear from the Lord. He spoke to us. Our church here sowed a couple years into that church. We got it up to where... uh it was viable and good and healthy and moving forward. We put a pastor in there. They stayed there for five years. See, the first thing that happened when we got there was we had, there was an offer on the building. Microtel wanted that piece of property. And there was an offer on the building for $1.2 million. Now, here's an interesting thing about that building. They signed it over to us. We could have said, yeah. The pastor that had been there before had a tremendous amount of integrity in the financial area. Very clean. In the end, he'd, he'd fallen morally and wanted, had decided to leave his wife and, and go with his secretary. And even though he had a moral failing there, he had a great integrity for this piece of property that he believed the Lord wanted to remain there. And so he asked me, will you make sure that it doesn't just, you don't just sell it. So we went about the business of turning it into, getting it into a corporation uh, um, and protected. Turned it over to a man uh, and five years later, he sold it. Now, he can't personally take all that money, but uh, they sold the building. They have a little meeting down in Colorado Springs now, and so on and so forth. It was a real hard thing for us to see that happen because we'd sewn into that. So, same thing here. Why don't you just sell the building and just, you know, enjoy life? So, we listened to the Lord, and this is the things the Lord said. 
I gave that property. I want that property to continue to be uh, a voice, a voice. Now, listen to me carefully. I want that property to continue to be a voice to the next generation in this valley. And I went, rats. Happy are those who listen to me. I believe the plan of God for this place is still intact. Because we go up and down and have changes and difficulties does not stop the plan of God and the purposes of God for a place. I'll try to finish this up. When talking to the seven churches in Revelation, Jesus says this to them over and over. To every single church, he says, if you have ears to hear, listen up to what the Spirit says. If you have ears to hear, listen up to what the Spirit says. Now, he said something different to each of them after that. But he says, if you have ears to hear, listen up. Meaning, there's a chance you might not have ears to hear. So, how do we hear? Draw near to hear. You want to hear? You know, Bless my wife, all those wonderful things that she leaves for me for hearing aid tests being done here and there. Bless, bless her. It reminds me. If I want to hear, now that may not, you know, I'm talking spiritually here. I draw, need to draw near. Because when you draw near and you hear what the Spirit has to say, big difference between drawing near to hear what the Spirit has to say than just going about your business. Now, why did Jesus put the ear back on Malchus? I'm going to close with this thought. I wouldn't have. I probably would have said, (laughs) take the other one. I mean, I'd like to think I wouldn't, but I'm glad I'm not put in that position. Thank God he doesn't put us in positions like that. But why did Jesus do that? Was it to show he was a good guy? He left a lasting impression on that man for the rest of his life. Jesus wants to touch your ear to put a lasting impression on you. 
not one that fades during tough times, not one that fades during difficulties, not one that fades because, you know, God spoke to you and said, marry this woman, and you go, yeah, baby. And then you go, oh, and she did the same. She's like, what did I get myself into? Because difficulties arose. The seed is sown during the time of the sowing of the Spirit. You better get your soil prepared and have it prepared, or you won't be able to get the harvest that's for you and for your life during the time of harvest. And when Jesus speaks to you and the Spirit speaks to you, I remember Dick Benjamin's marriage counseling to us. You want to hear his marriage counseling? He says, Mark, when you look at this woman, is she beautiful? I'm like, oh, yeah. She's hot. I think that was my words. (laughs) He goes, huh. He says, when you look at at Mark, is he, you find him handsome? You know, she said, yeah. I had a lot of hair then. <laughs> big beard. Um, big fiery red beard. That's what she liked. The red beard and the blue eyes. I still have the blue eyes. I used to sing her that song all the time. Why don't you love me like you used to do? My hair's still curly and my eyes are blue. <laughs> now I have blue eyes still. But, uh, and then he says to her, is he a good kisser? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, good. You don't want to marry a bad kisser because marriage is a long time. You don't want to marry a bad kisser. And I'm like, oh. And then he says, you're going to serve the Lord together. We said, we are. And he says, okay, I'm free on this night. And we got married. (laughs) We invited our parents who live out, hers are from Pennsylvania, mine were in uh, California still at that time. And they're like, "Uh, way to give us more than a week (laughs) to make plans. But at least you got an invite, Mom. Anyway... I don't know how to get out of that one. (laughs) So let me just finish up. Malchus got his ear back on. Jesus loved to minister to servants. He loved to minister to those who were in servant uh, uh, positions in life. He even used himself as an example. I am a servant about himself. To the centurion whose uh, slave servant was sick, he healed him. Here this guy Malchus is a servant. You're thinking, really? He's come out here to betray Jesus. But Jesus sees something different. He's a servant in the house, in the temple of God, to the priest. He's misguided. He's completely missed it, but I'm going to touch his life, and he will never, ever be the same. Because he's a servant, I'm going to do this and show him. 
Hallelujah. You want to receive from Jesus? Serve him. Serve him. Serve him, and you'll receive from Jesus. And you'll receive what he wants to do in your life. He will, you will receive healing, both physically, emotionally, spiritually. You will be healed. But it's in serving him, drawing near to hear. Amen. Let's stand. Let's give a praise to the Lord. We've got a song we're going to sing and go out.